0: It's a cultural thing, it's a generational thing, it's all of that as well. But how then do we lock arms and and lean into each other to increase that value? Because our perceived value creates additional opportunities. So our perceived value still has to be there in order to go play the next level of the game,
1: right? I actually probably missed some opportunities because I didn't understand as well perceived value, right? I positioned stuff business-wise, I didn't always position stuff like image-wise. And I also grew up in New England, where if you had it, you didn't show it.
2: Hey, community, welcome back to part two of Empowering Communities with Bo emrick and daniel at the color of money podcast hey we last week we had this great episode it was so good we just had to run another session we went so deep into empowerment empowerment into the community we're coming back here right now to talk about part two of empowering communities at the color of money podcast we're ready to go we hope you're ready to go here we go live let's take it on guys
0: Now, Bo, there's a few things that I that I am gaining from this. I mean, I think from what we've gone through and and what I know about you, I feel like that there's a, a common theme of helping other people, and then you win. <laughs> this isn't about I'm gonna just go do all of these things, and this is this is the Bo show. It's about how can I create value for for people and help them achieve what they want to achieve, and in doing that, in return, you're gonna win at the end of the day, whether it be through the investment piece or the Financial backing piece, or taking on projects, or whatever the thing is, I think that's that's a that's a unique thing for people to to think about because we don't often think through other people. We we always think about ourselves first and how can we win first before we think about how we can put others first. I think that's powerful.
1: It's a really interesting point, Daniel. I feel like as I go along my career journey, you know, and I think like I'm actually interested. Actually, I'm a, I'm a I'm a answering the question, but I want to hear Emrick's thought on this because I think. There's some people in my life that I've seen come out the gate and they just came out the gate with a, I'm going to inspire others. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to build others. Emmerich's one of those people that's always like inspiring me in that way. Mm -hmm. I was like a little poor ass mixed kid, chubby kid from the wrong side of the tracks. Like I wanted to prove something. I wanted to prove that I was valuable. And my life has been a series of learnings that Proving I was valuable was kind of a pointless exercise, but the real exercise was what value can you unlock in others? Like, how do you help other people unlock their value? And that started out pretty early in like sports as a teammate. Like, how could what impact could you have on the team? Because you team's got to win. I can't just put up numbers like the whole team's got to win. And then it got into business and this came this question of like, there's, I'm, I have limited skill. There's only so many things I'm good at. How do I surround myself with people that are better than me at these different things? And that's really what, yeah. And how do we change that narrative? Right. Cause I grew up and I learned so much and I do every day, like, man, look at what, look at what Daniel's done and what he's accomplished and seeing how he's mixed in, like the things that are important, and, like what he's done with this, you know, what you've done with your philanthropy and tying that back into your experience. And those things are extremely powerful go, what could I learn from them? And how could the platform that they've created be a stepping stone to my success? And so I've been in this process over the last few years of how do I remake myself and my organization so that it's not about proving that we can do it, it's that we become a platform and a catalyst and a stepping stone for others to do uh, with the hope that those others do way more than we ever could have done ourselves And I do that many times over because there's many of them. And that is kind of the quest right now. But I think it comes back to this underlying idea that there's this latent value in human beings. There's this latent value in buildings sometimes and and in communities and environments that is underappreciated. And I grew up angry about that. I grew up pissed off that we were overlooked. And I realized, oh, wow, that curse could be a gift. You can unlock it. You, you know what, Bo? And you, you said that
2: and you, asked, you, you want to ask this question. Now, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, you know, I'm straight as the arrow. There's two different sides to look at that. Sometimes we judge our insides by other people's outsides. We hear that. And so we look at it two different ways. And for me, it's always been about uh, inspiring other people. Right. And you said you had this chip on your shoulder and you had to prove people wrong. There's no right or wrong way because sometimes I'm just being transparent. I said, well, maybe I should have done something different because then I would have Bo's balance sheet. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? So it's like it's like, did I really did I really work this a different angle that I could have worked this? Well, no, I couldn't. I just chose to work this angle. And that's the angle that I work. And you work the angle that you work. Here's the deal, though. Right. At the at the end of your day. You're at the beginning of your day. And so when I look at us like me, we probably have almost a a 14 year difference. I'm 58. You're 44, 45. Right. So there's a 13 year difference. So my angle. Was an angle that I started later in life. Your angle is the angle that you started early in life. So when we take a look at that and you at 45. Now you're having, you're looking at this paradigm shift at the way that you look at things. You have a bigger pool of personal and financial, personal, financial, and relationship resources that I may not have that can ultimately have this tremendous effect on our community a different way. And then, and on a larger scale, the only question is how is how how is that going to be executed?
1: Yeah, and how do we change that narrative, right? Because right. I grew up and I learned so much, and I do every day. Like, man, look at what look at what Daniel's done and what he's accomplished, and seeing how he's mixed in, like the things that are important, and, like what he's done with this, you know, what you've done with your philanthropy, and tying that back into your experience and. Those things are extremely powerful um, and inspiring. I think that I have this, and I I might not articulate it correctly, but I believe that there's an opportunity. I believe you guys are in many ways leading the way uh, with this podcast, with some stuff you've been doing from your various perspectives, along with Julia. What if we stopped just idolizing and learning from each other? We started leveraging each other's capabilities. But well, we started leveraging. So that to me is the next level. The next level is how do we leverage some of the things that you know Embric does that I don't hope to, I try to uh, teach and inspire and build community? Can I do it? Yeah. Do I do it the, at the same way or the same skill set or from the same angle that Emrick? No. So then how do you get how do you leverage these unique gifts that different people bring to the table and start pulling ourselves together? Because we started with less resource. If we actually want to compete, we have to think about collaboration at a greater level than others. And we currently do it at a lower level than others. You know, I started to see how these communities work, especially in development. Development's about collaboration. Developers don't know how to build a house. They don't know, they're not the finance guys. They're not the bank. They're not the architect, right? They're not the engineer. They're the guys that make it all come together. That's what development is. Development is taking risk taking calculated risk, and pulling together the community that can execute on something. So how do we take that to even bigger levels so we can operate, so we can execute on bigger things? And so I think part of that is breaking through this narrative, especially as men of color, that we are exceptional. The world's been telling us since we were little that we're exceptional because on the statistically we were, statistically we were exceptional. And that feels good to be told you're special, right? i be told you're the one like, man, he's really doing that, it. That's, that, that feeds my ego, right? That doesn't move the big needle though. That doesn't but move the doesn't big needle. It, it does not move the big needle. Ego is actually in direct conflict with moving the big needle. And quite frankly, the world feeds us that line because it keeps us small. As long as Daniel's not like the rest of them, He's the guy who made it, but there is another potential out there. I can dismiss the rest of them, right? But when 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 Daniel is the first of many, <laughs> he's one of thousands that could be as great as him. Then I have right. an obligation to make sure that we tap into that greatness that's lying latent, because Daniel or Bo or Emrick, maybe they got an opportunity to show their greatness. There may be. Other greatness out there that hasn't yet had an opportunity to shine,
2: and you know it's interesting that you said that that way because what happens is they put this uh, this special person on a pedestal, and the special person lives on the pedestal, and a lot of times the special person sometimes don't come down off their pedestal because they're so busy being on their pedestal, they don't have sometimes a lot of time to come down off that pedestal to help other people or to just recognize that place that of collaboration where why don't we just make the pedestal bigger?
1: Yeah. And it cuts both ways, Eric, right? It cuts both ways. There's a lot of research, right? A lot of really interesting research. So one is it's like, well, this is not research. This is what I'm talking about. Like this idea that this individualistic, like we're all just, you know, you're a Phoenix, you rose from the ashes, you know, no mama, no daddy barefoot right. walk up hill both ways to school and somehow you made it you know, all by yourself. Though nobody tells the story about the teacher that helped you, no. the grandma that raised you, or whatever. They don't tell about the community that actually made that happen. So that's one piece. The flip side of it is as oftentimes people of color or coming from a lower income environment when somebody makes it they're expected to take everybody else with them. Now you're supposed to, you're supposed to get your mama a house Whereas the other guy you compete against, he didn't have to buy his mama a house. His mama gave him a house.
2: Right, exactly. You're
1: supposed to help your boys who couldn't make it when they're short on cash. They're going to call you. So there's a lot of research that shows a lot of first-generation wealth gets destroyed because of the pressures that a community puts on people to to pull everybody forward with them. So how do we both move collectively and not be an albatross to one another? Does that make but, sense? It's a really interesting balance. But, but
2: here's the deal: like when we, when you put in that place, you become the, and sometimes it consumes you, and you, have, you have to be really careful um, not to fall into this trap. You become the designated representative for the people, right? And they say, well, if you did it, anybody else can do it, and then they ask you, why can't other people do it? And when you give the answer, they don't really. A lot of people don't want to really hear the answer that you give, and then on the other end of that, you know, we have to be, we always have to be careful of how we talk about ourselves. And for me, like when I come in environments and people say, if there was somebody says, and this is no offense anyway, people say people of color, or they say minority. I don't use those terms. I say I'm black. And I say I'm Black because I believe that everybody else in every other uh, category, whether it be minority or color, if there was no Black people in affirmative action, everybody else wouldn't get the ride the train. So I believe that everybody else on that train, when you start having that conversation about identity, I always identify as Black because my struggle, my plight, the things that I've had to Conversation I've had to have is different than everybody else because, and I'm not—I don't want to harp on this. When you see me as a black man, people judge me from a hundred yards away, and then I'm a threat at a hundred yards away. As I get closer, either that threat gets diminished, or it gets validated, even in a bow tie, and even when I'm—I'm I, speaking. Oh, you sound good. You look good. You smell good. I'm still a black man. I'm not a minority. I am a black man. Period. And so that's a and subconsciously for us, that's a battle that we fight on a regular and consistent basis where there's a mix, mixed signal where we're achieving at a certain place in in the world and there's still that question of you're a black man. And I took us off track a little bit to come back. No, but back I
1: actually think there's something really interesting there, right? There's something really interesting right. here because I've struggled with that I believe is in the way of a lot of wealth for us is this desire for conspicuous consumption. And okay. I used to get really mad at young brothers who needed to ice themselves out and Drive the fanciest car. I've heard you say and that before. And you've heard me get you've heard me rail on that. And right. I had to think about it. For let, me, a while. let me let and me said, let me you tuck know, my necklace in really um, quick. That's not really fair. That's not really fair. <laughs> Damn put, put his chains away. But I was like, that's actually not fair because I am we are all as black men fighting the same issue, which is that when people see us, they devalue us just based on looking at us. And I used to think that's just because these brothers are frivolous. And I'm like, nah, they're struggling with the same psychology I am, which is when I walk in a room, when I walk in a room, people assume, they don't assume that I own the place. They assume that I'm there to clean up or that how'd how'd he get let in, especially because I ain't dressed as nice. So they're like, who the hell is this dude, right? And so I dealt with that. By saying, not by saying I want to have the nicest clothes, because I knew that, that they could still just download these goods as my clothes. I dealt with that by saying, I want to own the goddamn building, right? But it's equally as messed up because we're both struggling for this thing that keeps us going, and all we're trying to, and all we're trying to do is be enough. And as men, as men conversation, I don't know how we got a men conversation but like as a man and as a black, like as a man generally you know, you're not valued. You're valued for what you produce. You're not valued. Nobody comes and says, oh, Emrick, you're just such a beautiful soul. I want to cherish you. You know, that doesn't happen to me. And so then you put race on top of that and you have people that are out there saying, okay, now I got to somehow fight for my value. I got to fight for people to see value in me. This isn't a male thing or a race. It's a human thing. All human beings want to be valued. And so I've had to come a long way in my reaction to some of that because I said, man, I'm really missing the point. These are just a bunch of brothers out here struggling to be valued. But that can get in the way of building wealth because it costs them a whole hell of a lot of useless money to some European family designers to try and pretend that they're valued. Or if they put that money into something else, they might actually have some real cash value that can't be taken away from them. Or, Or they could be like Daniel. They could be like Daniel.
2: And and Daniel, Daniel is, I I love Daniel for this. Daniel is unapologetically, right, fashionable. And what Daniel says is that if I can't buy three of them, I won't buy one. And that's a different conversation when you see that outward appearance of people and you say, oh, they look like this or they look like that. And And I believe that's, and Daniel, I want you to talk about that, you know, a little bit. Because I mean, you, when I heard you say that, that made so much more sense to me. You, I, you're, to, you're looking at my my Balenciaga or whatever that is shirt. I can buy three of these, and by the uh, by the way, I still have four houses. So I didn't get to buy this Balenciaga today. This Balenciaga is a com, is a culmination of me scraping and suffering. I shouldn't say scraping and suffering. Of me putting together a plan so that I can buy three of these. And if I can't buy three of these, I won't buy one, I'll just go buy another house.
0: What what Bo said is so, I think the danger in that that thought process that we have is we don't even understand it. And so when you think about I'm wearing chains and I'm driving nice cars and I'm stunting on people is because I want you to understand from a from hundred yards away, Emrick, no. oh, I'm valuable. I'm incredibly valuable. <laughs> and look at all the things I have, and how much money I have to be valuable, to even be on the same thought process or or uh, level playing field that other people are on. I remember when I was the first an agent, I'm always in three piece suits because I'm not gonna le- I'm gonna let you know my value from day one, so you can never write me off by not being professional enough. And being in Colorado, people wear people are going to, to showings in shorts and flip flops. But I can never do that because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be that dude that doesn't take this seriously enough and isn't valued enough. And so just thinking back through that, bro, like that, there's so many things in my life where I'm like, why do you why did you need that? I'm like, because like, no, because I want I want you to understand how valuable I am. Like that is wild. That is absolutely wild. I've
1: never looked at it from that perspective. It's so powerful. It's really interesting. You know, I've been thinking about this a lot, Daniel. I'm gonna take it one more, I'm gonna be going way off track here, but take it one step further. So we grow up, I grew up as a kid playing other people's games. I played baseball, I played ice hockey, I played football. I went to school, school to me was a game. I learned how to get good grades. And when I was a little punk ass kid from Somerville, that was a matter of survival. I didn't learn how to play other people's games, I didn't have an opportunity. Well, now I sit here in front of you 40 mid forties, right? I have enough resource. I don't have to play somebody else's game, but it's actually the only thing I know how to do. I only know how to create my value based on somebody else's rules. So now, Oh, Our value is based on some European designer's definition of cool, right? So the only no way we know how to determine our value is on somebody else's rules. And that's a trap because now even when you break free of it, well, I don't actually know. Yeah, sure. I could probably do something totally different if I wanted to, but I'm actually really good at playing somebody else's game. Right. I'm good at defining value in the way that society's told me they define value. So not only am I trying to prove my value, I'm trying to prove my value on somebody else's scorecard.
2: Okay, so with that thought, Bo, right, let's wrap our brain around this. That's that's the way that we all are wired to a certain point, because society has conditioned us that we we have to play the game. We have to be in the game in order to play the game. In order to be in the game, we have to figure out how to play the game. And then once we play the game, we play the game long enough to figure out this is the part that we miss how to own the game. That's where the magic happens when we figure out how to own the game. And I'm being transparent and proud, I'm not sure who's listening to this. In our environment, and I'm being being in our environment, in in, in our KW environment, probably my biggest challenge or my biggest deficit has been for me not moving in different directions. I understood how to play the game. I played the game. I built a successful business. And at the end of the day, I'm not willing to play the other part of the game in order to move up the ladder. I believe that my place and my position and my best place for me to serve is probably where I am now because I am. This is just me speaking. I'm extremely valid and relevant in my community. And that's what makes a difference to me, because I can never change the other people and the other people and the other people in the other community. I can't change their value. I can't. I can't change what they think about me. I can't alter how they perceive me, which Daniel is going through that right now. I can't do that. So how about I play in my community with my group of people and I elevate what I consider to be my value there and help that group of people make more money and and improve what they believe their value is inside of their space and ultimately stop playing other people's game. Because even within my market center,
1: and I think it's really interesting along the way. You know, my view is that it's, it's not really ever, things aren't sort of black or white or one way or the other. I look at it and I look back and, and you were asking this question earlier, Daniel, I look back on the journey, right? And I think each of us and everybody who pours their heart into uh, a career, a business, especially something that's entrepreneurial, there's your your DNA's in there. Like your DNA's in there, is in it, right? Um, so you can be playing a game and business is a game. Like, you, have to, you have to understand the context. If you try and be totally against that, you're not going to get anywhere. The question is, to what degree can you put your own spin on it, right? Mm. And for me, it was a spin on business that business doesn't have to be something separate from making an impact, that you know, business actually can be a direct mechanism for impact especially given that most of the injustice in our world is driven by unjust economics. And so business could be a vehicle for impact. And so that was my own little spin on it, right? I didn't get into real estate and say I want to be, I got into real estate and said, hey, it's going to be about making an impact. That was my way to put my own little spin on it. And so I think we each have an opportunity, no matter how inside or outside a system we are, to put our own little spin on that. That's what's happened with coach prime. Like, right. He's, he's in the college football. That's the system. He's acting crazy, but he's putting his own spin on it. He's extreme. He was extreme when he was younger and putting his own spin on the system, but he's still in a system. He's working in a system. He's playing a game. He didn't make the rules, right? He might make his own dress code, but he didn't make the rules. Right. And so we all have an opportunity, no matter how out there or inside to put our own spin on things.
0: Well, how do we how do we increase the value if it's not and it shouldn't be designer? It shouldn't be through chains and all the other fun stuff. And it's a cultural thing. It's a generational thing. It's all of that as well. But how then do we lock arms and and lean into each other to increase that value? Because the, our perceived value creates additional opportunities. So our perceived value still has to be there in order to have in order to go play the next level of the game, right? Yeah,
1: my point was like it wasn't. One of my big ahas, Daniel, was, like, I had this thing in my head. It actually wasn't, like, it actually is a component part. Like, I actually probably missed some opportunities because I didn't understand as well perceived value, right? Back to your point. Like, I didn't position. I positioned stuff business-wise. I didn't always position stuff, like, image-wise, right? Mm -hmm. And I also grew up in New England where if you had it, you didn't show it that was not this wasn't i didn't grow up in miami i grew up in new england new england the people that got it they got it for generations and they don't they don't show it so i didn't i didn't have examples that was to me i learned that early that's, those guys oh they're, they're over there but that's how they do it so i think there's this interesting balance of how do you use notoriety image people knowing who you are plat, the platform that that creates of a voice how do you use that to to pull people together actually make tactical change and not just come together and feel happy about coming together but actually go out like i think you were talking about this the other day tanya like how do you take that energy and go out and do something like go take one thing away go try <laughs> go invest in a property mess it up because that's what i did i didn't i didn't it wasn't all perfect i screwed it up and I screwed it up again and then i figured it out right and so how do you get people to come together and then go do something
2: it, it's two different things bo you said something and you said tactical like i'm a military guy so tactical anything you do tactical is a short term goal. We got to have a strategic conversation. Strategic is a long term, right? Strategic is long range, tactical is short range. I'm giving you a quick history lesson. That's why, a fighter, that's why a fighter jet, which is tactical, is good for short distance. A bomber jet is strategic and it's for long term activity, long range activity. And so in that space of what we're really talking about and adding value, we have to be clear of who's in our tribe, who's on our team and whose value are we pursuing or whose value are we trying to, are we attempting to increase and whose value are we attempting to either validate or improve? Because, I I believe part of our challenge sometimes we spend too much time working on being valuable to people who don't really give a damn about us. And that's an exercise of futility, because no matter how much we do, are we really going to change what they really value us? If we if, if there's a possibility for us to spend more time with more people who we can truly move the needle with. On a larger scale, from a value perspective, whether it be internal or external, I believe that might not might that would be the best use of our time. And Daniel, you you are a prime example of what you something thing that you said to me about the people that are in your space and on your team. That's what you're you're looking for those people. And those are the people that are going to add value to your organization. And I believe both. If you take a look at your organization, right, the people who you attempted to change. And I'm saying this this way are the people who you or or you had uh, that didn't have the best value in you or for you are not the people that funded your projects at the highest level. It's the people who were in your tribe that funded you. Or believed in you, and put something behind you that caused your business to catapult a different way.
0: Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna say something that might be a little bit controver- controversial, but
2: I, I already know battle, you. Are.
0: <laughs> I think this battle that we're fighting is, is inside of our community before before it's external forces. It's a matter of like, all right. Well, I, I remember growing up with my friends. Well, I can't tell you where I got this shirt because you're gonna go take it. and You're gonna wear it better than I did. And so now we're in this thing where it's like, all right, well, I don't know that I necessarily want to share information. And I'm trying to do the complete opposite of that right now with all the information and knowledge that we have, because we're, we're, we're way stronger together. And I want someone to outshine me. I want to share information. And I want you to triple what we're doing. And I'm going to be cheer you all, cheer you, cheer you, on along the way. But we've all have got to have that abundant growth mindset type of attitude and mindset in order to truly achieve that. Because it's not about one upping the next person. It's about both learning, gaining knowledge, gaining information, implementing things, and then being able to allow each other to stand on each other's shoulders and continue to grow together um, versus just having just your trailblazers or a couple people that did it at a really high level. And, well, that person did it. But how do we all kind of do this? And I think it's just, I don't know, it's a a challenging thing, especially in... um, as a biracial black man, sometimes I'm not black enough, but I'm definitely
2: not white enough to be a white man. Okay. So All right. I, I apologize. <laughs> I apologize to you exotic brothers for me always talking about <laughs> you, you being exotic.
0: <laughs> and we, we experienced it with what happened with my daughter this recently and going right. online and explaining and exposing and talking to things. It's still, there's a game that I'm playing now that people looked at that and frowned on that. Oh, Daniel can't be authentic. I can't be. I can't be who I am because I also have these other businesses and things. And and then comments around where the black people, he's not black enough and everything else. And I just, I feel like our, I feel like our community, if we leaned into each other and put our arms around each other and, and want and, and leaned into learning and growing each other and pushing each other on achieving more, um, a lot of the big connections and relationships we have inside of this company are very much that. our Our coalition brothers, this isn't a, me versus them's like, hey, let's share information. And how quickly can we both double, triple our businesses and grow together? But that's just not what we experience necessarily. And I think once we can solve that problem, I think we're going to go a whole hell of a long way together once we can solve that problem in this industry.
2: Well, you know, and it's not I don't I don't believe it's the idea of us solving the problem. Uh, and that's where the challenge because we're seeking progress, not perfection. So uh, solving the problem is is not where our challenge. Our challenge is, is is with us working together to make the challenge easier for the next person and us keeping that conversation going about the idea. Like if somebody says, I want to be like you, and I ask them all "If you tell me, if somebody said, I want to do what you did. And I tell people all the time, why are you setting your sights so low? Because what you're telling me is you want to be where I am and I don't want you to be where I am because I haven't even tapped into my closest potential. So don't say that. I want you to look beyond me. I want you to look at what Bo is doing. I want you to look at what Daniel's doing. And then you become that other person because we all, no matter where you set your sights, that is only the ceiling until you get there. Once you get there, now that becomes the floor because you're already there. So how do you get past that point? So for me, that's that conversation. We all have to work together to, to make sure that we help people understand what you're looking at is only a visual of what you could be. It is not where you ultimately should
1: desire to be. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. One of the, one of the things that um, for me, One of the lenses that's been really powerful in that recently, you know, I'm a father to four boys. And they say your dad's the only person who's excited and happy for you to surpass them, right? And so my oldest is 14, and he's getting into that teenage, you know, I could take you down, dad. I have all the drip that you don't have, all that (laughs) stuff. And it's been really interesting to see, you know, he's freshman, he's excited. He, he, he went out, he really wanted to do football and he went out and he starting quarterback and it's super exciting for him. And it's been interesting to think like, if I could wake up every day and, you know, go to family reunion or some big real estate conference or the developers round table and look out and feel the same way I feel about seeing my son succeed, about the people around me succeeding, like mm-hmm. wow, that would be really cool. Because my son doesn't want to be me. He wants to be a whole hell of a lot better than me. <laughs> and I would be pretty disappointed if he ended up being me because he would have squandered an opportunity. You know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's a it's a weird I think you can only experience that though when you have children. And when you have children and you 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 feel the love and the the excitement for their growth and their achievements. And to your point, Bo, the moment you can, we can feel that and look out and see more, um, see more black men and women in in uh, these rooms that are doing things at crazy high levels and cheer them on as they keep setting new records and and whatnot. I think that changes. Uh, it's it's going to change a lot, and I think that's what what I'm so happy that we that we started this podcast and um, you know you've been instrumental in, in helping grow this and in helping having these kind of conversations. Because these are the things that people don't want to talk about. We had a very candid conversation right now. <laughs> That's gonna make some people uncomfortable, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And these are just these and are things, for, these are or maybe
2: fortunately. Or, or maybe, maybe fortunately.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So I know we went, we went crazy over. Thank you so much for for your time, Bo. Any last words of wisdom, words of advice, wealth building, development, being a successful black man. <laughs> Our, our range on this podcast went uh, went all over the place. So, any last words for our listeners?
1: I got, I got two, I got, I got a couple of thoughts. I'll see if I can uh, I'll touch on some of the various things. I think the first one is, well, you use your time and talent to produce money in cap in cash flow businesses, which real estate sales, if you're in that business, is could be your day job, whatever that is. You know, do that to the best of your ability. And then think about ways you could take some of that cash, don't consume it all and put it into something that is more about time and talent and money for money, where you can put your time and talent behind your own money to grow that, that that is the key to wealth building. And that starts by ensuring that you spend less than you make, and then you can take that difference and go put it to work for you. The second thing is that we're all playing a game. Be conscious of whose game you're playing. Be conscious of the things that affect you. Be conscious that you're not overly defining who you are and your success on somebody else's uh, playbook. And realize though that you do sometimes need to play games. That's how life works, but you can put your own spin on it, that you can put your own heart into it. You can put your own DNA in it and that the vulnerability that comes with being able to, Express your humanity, express your weakness, allow other people to step in to support you. Won't actually hold you back. It may actually be what propels you forward. That's beautiful.
0: Love it, Emmerich. Any last words?
2: You know, both both summed it up. What both said was that take your time and create wealth, because wealthy people trade on un- Less than wealthy people trade time for money, and wealthy people trade money for time so use your use your time wisely and invest wisely set it and forget it
1: because
0: those <laughs> those homes that you those homes early on bo will be worth one point five now <laughs> right
1: the uh, of them. The yeah of absolutely.
0: Them. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you again, Bo. I'm I'm looking forward to having you on uh, for future episodes and see you guys next time.
2: Follow the Color of Money podcast today and get notified when new episodes are released weekly.
0: Be part of this transformative listening experience.
1: This podcast is for general informational purposes only. The views, thoughts, and opinions of the guest represent those of the guest and not KWRI and its affiliates and should not be construed as financial, economic, legal, tax, or other advice. This podcast is provided without any warranty or guarantee of its accuracy, completeness, timeliness, or results from using the information.